When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, we look ahead to one of the most major milestones of our lives when we graduate into retirement. Now, here's our valedictorian and certified financial planner practitioner, Eric Brotman, your host of Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. Get ready for inspiration and actionable advice to guide you towards a seamless transition into a dignified retirement where you get to make your dreams a reality. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. I'm Eric Brotman, your host and valedictorian, and this is episode 13, lucky 13, of our very first season. Uh, and actually, it's the very last episode um, that's going to be uh, that's going to be live before the end of our of our semester, which means that we'll be taking a break in July and August because this is a school theme, and that feels like the right thing to do. So, our guest today is Bo Humphreys. Uh, Bo is a personal finance coach. Um, he's the host of the Personal Finance Show, uh, which is a very well regarded and uh, well listened to podcast on his own right. Um, he is someone I met at uh, a FinCon conference two years ago when I didn't know what a podcast was, uh, and Bo has been instrumental uh, to me in learning how to do this and learning from an expert. He also has a remarkable story about his own act two uh, and sort of how he got to, to where he is today. So um, his, his belief, I suppose, is that it's never too late to take control of your personal finances, and he's helping people do that every day. So, Bo, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Eric. I'm excited because having been a guest on your show, I get to do the questioning this time, and, and you get to do the answering, which I know is, is always more, more nerve-wracking at times. But um, why don't you tell, uh, tell our audience your story first, because that's, that paints a great backdrop for our conversation today. Absolutely. Happy, uh, happy to tell the story. Um, it's, it starts uh, when I'm 11, so I'll try not to, to make it too long for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the quick uh, the quick version is uh, I had a long gambling addiction. Basically, that's uh, that's how it starts. Uh, when I was 11, I had my first incident where instead of being able to buy the Nintendo that I wanted in 1991, I uh, I went and spent all the money uh, on lottery tickets, which I could actually buy uh, at that point because they were a little bit lax with the enforcement of the laws at the time. So at 11, I'm buying a bunch of lottery tickets and getting the taste of it. And then it kind of went asleep for uh, a little bit uh, while I was in high school. I didn't have any money, really. But when I turned 18 and made my way to university with an uh, emergency credit card from my parents, well, that was uh, kind of a disaster waiting to happen. Maxed all that out, spent a lot of my time in uh, first-year residence gambling online, and uh, Basically, that was the start of uh, a good 10 years after that of uh, trying to figure out what was wrong with me, what was causing me to gamble in the first place, 
And why I just could not hold on to my money, it just kept floating out of my hands into the uh, world of online casinos. And uh, there was a catalyst in 2005, when, when I was 25, where I just came back from a trip and was just gambling like crazy while interviewing for a new job. I ended up getting the job, but at that same time, I gambled all of my money away, including my rent money. And I had to ask my friend for uh, rent uh, money just to make it uh, to the next paycheck because I wouldn't be paid for a while uh, for the new job. And I also had won $20,000 in a, in a jackpot online and lost it within probably an hour after that, realizing that I was never going to get out of gambling by gambling again. Um, so that was kind of a, an important thing for me to go through. It seems kind of ridiculous to think you, you might get out of gambling by gambling, but I did think that part of me thought that that was possible. So I started to think, now I'm $40,000 in debt, and this is credit card debt. Uh, so it's not like it's a mortgage or anything with a low interest like student loans or anything like that. Um, I was unable to make my monthly payments, which were probably about $800 a month uh, at that point. Uh, after I stopped doing all the balance transfer stuff, um, you know, transfer for six months and then uh, uh, get... Uh, interest relief for a little bit. Well, that can, that ran out quickly. And I started to look into what are my options here? There's like, sure, I want to get out, but there's no way that I can actually get out by paying. I think if they would have had the, the fine print on the bottom of my credit card statements at that point, it would have said something like 92 years or something like that to pay it all off. So I looked into my options and I'm like, what what can I do? And of course, bankruptcy is what I, I ended up uh, focusing in on. And in Canada, uh, we have um, something called the Consumer Proposal, which is similar to Chapter 13, uh, bankruptcy in the States. They're not exactly similar. Uh, it's kind of in the middle between Chapter 7 and Chapter 13 from what I'm currently reading on bankruptcycanada.ca. And uh, I chose the proposal because it was less of a stigma there was uh, it was easier and I wasn't actually writing off the entire debt I was just agreeing to pay less uh, uh, along with a licensed insolvency trustee who is actually an agent of the Canadian government so this whole process is protected uh, under law as I believe uh, the bankruptcies in the US are so I decided to file this proposal the 40,000 came down to 15,000 uh, $300 a month for 50 months. And that gave me the opportunity to explore what was wrong with me uh, while, you know, I was paying down this fixed debt instead of just it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So I explored my uh, uh, situation and I ended up, after a while, uh, figuring out that I had attention deficit disorder, which was ruining my life. It's very different for everyone. Uh, who has it, for me, it was uh, all about fear. I was afraid of everything, and you know, the, my coping mechanism was gambling. So I got medicated for that and was paying down the debt. The medication just sort of brought me out of this fog that I was living in for so long and uh, you know, made my way out of there, uh, paid everything off, saved a bunch of money, got to uh, 100000 by the time I was 35, stopped gambling by the time I was 31 
and uh, that was eight years ago, almost uh, yeah, almost eight years ago now. And uh, I started looking into actual uh, personal finance things now that I had money and figured out uh, you know that I could save money on fees and I didn't want to do this and I didn't want to do that and what to do with the money that I was saving. And uh, I, you know, now I'm trying to give back and uh, help people try to not get into the situation I was in. I mean, if they have an addiction, it's hard, but maybe I can make it shorter by talking about it as I am now and uh, just help regular Canadians save, you know, their basics, uh, you know, not spend more than they make and like, all the basic things that we try to tell everybody every day. And then I'll pass them over to you for investing. That sounds perfect. Um, actually, <laughs> Bo, you, you said you said that you you had fear, and nothing nothing fights fear like facing it and telling your story and telling it for this many years um, is the the ultimate way to face your fear, especially in media. So I congratulate you on that. I congratulate you on being um, uh, on breaking your addiction. Um, we we candidly don't have. Um, a lot of clientele in our um, in our business that have gambling issues, but we often do have clients who either have parents or kids or even grandkids who run into gambling issues or just debt issues in general. Sometimes it's gambling, sometimes it's retail therapy, you know, where people mm-hmm. max the credit cards because they're feeling depressed or they're feeling down, and so they think shopping is the answer, and as you might expect, it rarely is. And it's so, always something else. It's not never yeah. about. I just love spending money, right? Yeah, I, I think so. And and I think there's a there's a certain fear around debt. And you know the the American way, if you will, um, is very much to buy now and pay later. And I suspect yes. that's true in Canada as well. Absolutely. There's this tendency. Oh gosh, and whether it's whether it's the really ugly stuff like uh, like pay ch- payday loans and and tax loans and those kinds of things, or whether it's just you know buy now six months interest free, twelve months interest free, move this, move that, uh, folks get in a lot of trouble in a very big hurry, um, and Absolutely. and it's not just the credit cards. Uh, we're seeing a serious issue with student loans too. Um, the cost of school here has gotten so out of control that student loans are mortgages and not small mortgages, um, and there's no collateral. The collateral, in theory, is in your brain. Um, it's it's a diploma, but it's not really collateral. So um, now you're a, you're a finance coach as opposed to a a certified financial planner. So a little bit different role. Uh, help our audience understand what a coach does versus what a financial advisor does. Yeah, so think of it as you would any coach, like a, say a personal trainer or uh, you know an athletic coach, something like that. Uh, as a coach, I'm actually here to help you figure out what you want to do. Because a lot of people, what happens is they're on the, just on the edge. They, they're like, I got a bunch of money in my savings account or, you know, I'm, I'm paying my bills. I, I don't really know how much my expenses are or how much I have to save. I don't know what to do with the money I do have saved. And they're like, I want to do something, but like, can somebody just point me in the right direction? And that's where I'm at. And also for accountability. Let's say they do know um, what they want to do. Well, I'm here to help them uh, consistently do that. So I can, you know, if they said like, you know, two months ago that they wanted to 
put this much away and we figured out that that was a, a decent amount based on this uh, the other stuff that we figured out which is how much they make and how much they spend which we can figure out with online aggregation tools or you know just the basic spreadsheet if that's uh, uh, better for them so figuring out the basics what to do with that money and then keeping them accountable to that and then when they want something more advanced like they would like someone to manage their money for them uh, or they want to do it themselves or they would like a robust financial plan, say, that costs money and has estate planning and tax planning in it, then I can refer them to all the people in my network who are uh, experts and specialists at those things. But I'm here to help them with the basics. So um, how do folks engage you? Is, do, do folks engage? Because coaches, coaches are different. Some coaches are on retainers. Some are um, some charge hourly, some are yeah. sort of packaged. What is what does your business model look like? How have you turned um, how have you turned financial coaching um, not only into a great service for people who really need it, uh, but also into a business for you and your growing family? Well, it's it's similar to say how a, a career counselor or even just a regular counselor might work. Uh, you know, it, for me, it's hourly. So, you know, uh, the, you book a 15-minute uh, free consultation to see if this is something that might help you. I mean, it, not everybody is helped by talking to someone for an hour about something, but for a lot of people, that's all that they need, say, on a monthly or even just once. Like, it, it, it'd be like, hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Does that sound good? Well, let's talk about what your goals are. Okay, well, then that makes sense. Uh, just keep doing that and maybe they want to talk again next month because this helps them feel like they're on top of their uh, their goals or they're good for a while and then they want to talk again maybe in a year or six months uh, to see like, oh, I have more questions that came up uh, and you know I'd like to discuss how those affect my life. So for me, the hourly model makes a lot of sense because what I'm doing is I'm just giving people the extra push and I'm giving them someone to talk to about finances, which is still, you can't just call up your friend and say, hey, so let's talk about my debts and stuff. Unfortunately, that's not something that is very popular in our culture, and I wish it was more. I don't, I don't want to have this job. I want you to be able to talk to your friend about it and figure it out. But unfortunately, I, I still need to do this. Well, and, and not only don't people want to talk to their peers, they sure as heck don't want to talk to their, to their kids. You know, we, we, yes. see, we see folks all the time who um, I think they're, one of their biggest issues is that they're afraid to reveal their finances to their kids because they're a little embarrassed. And these aren't people Absolutely. who are in debt necessarily. Some of these people um, have some meaningful wealth. But in a world where you're constantly trying to keep up with the Joneses and your neighbor has a nicer car and all that foolishness, um, people make terrible mistakes and then they regret them and feel embarrassed by them and then don't want to tell their kids uh, sort of what they did. And yet that's how kids learn. You know, you can you know, learn I, from I had, watching your parents do something dumb. You can learn uh, from your, like from that. Exactly. Like I, I wish uh, like everybody that I know will tell, would tell me all the dumb things that they did. So I don't do them. I, you know, I had a guest on the show uh, on my podcast that, he had uh, 30000 saved for retirement, uh, not for retirement, for a down payment on a house. And he was like, well, uh, the houses aren't uh, coming, so I'm just going to do, I want to do something with it. And he didn't talk to anybody. He just took the 30000 put it in one stock, 
That stock was Research in Motion, so BlackBerry, and the year was 2008. Oof. And two, <laughs> I think two weeks later, that got cut in half. And if he would have just had a conversation with anyone, anyone in the, in the finance space, personal finance space, maybe even just a friend who had read a personal finance book about not putting all your eggs in one basket or diversifying or anything, he would have saved himself $15,000. And that's why we need to talk about it more. You don't have to talk to me. Like, I'll help you. But talk to somebody. Talk to anybody before you make <laughs> like that kind of decision uh, so lightly, right? There's a, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth when talking about financial affairs. And the pendulum, I believe, swings between fear and greed. Mm. And um, Warren Buffett said at one point, the time to be greedy is when others are fearful, and the time to be fearful is when others are greedy. Um, and nothing could be more sage, or no one could be more sage than the oracle himself, of course. But um, he's absolutely right, because people make decisions and when you make them under the duress of fear, um, you, you are likely to make decisions that aren't in your best interest. And likewise, when you make them under the guise of greed, you know, I, I don't, you're, you're a little younger than I am, Bo, but I, I can tell you in the late 90s, when um, every financial rag that came out, Money Magazine and Time and all the different, they all had covers on them that essentially said, this is the new world, this is the e-world, and um, your neighbors are getting rich, and why aren't you? And it was pornography. Um, and of course, it turned out to be wrong, and Y2K mm. came and went, and the grid didn't go down. And what happened was everyone, everyone and their brother-in-law bought new computers in time to be Y2K compliant, and then for two to three years, no one needed a computer. So. Oh, wow. So there were no sales of computers, so it, it really sunk that ship. And then you, you fast forward to 2008, and you have just the other experience where the media sensationalizes so much. Uh, what was happening was certainly unprecedented. But the idea that it's different this time and that it's Armageddon caused a lot of people to do some very, very uh, unfortunate things out of fear and whether that was selling everything at or near the bottom because they just couldn't take it anymore or whether it was deciding they're never investing again and putting everything in a, in a coffee can in their backyard. Um, none of those decisions are, are, are made rationally. And so uh, I assume as a coach, you see a lot of irrational behavior. You know, behavioral finance is its own industry and a, and a phenomenal industry because it helps us understand how we make the decisions we make. How much, how much behavioral um, uh, work do you wind up doing? And, and I know you're not a therapist, but do you sometimes feel like one? Well, it's, it's all behavioral work, I would say. Right? Because when we get to the point where it's like, where do I put my money, which I'm not legally allowed to tell them, and I can tell them in general, but when I refer them to maybe a robo-advisor or someone like you, for example, uh, that's like the end of the conversation, right? It's about you know, let's talk about what you want to do with your money because of the way that you, uh, you know, feel about this or that or the, the, the future that you would like. And also, let's set it up so that you don't have to be involved. If somebody says to me, like, I want to manage my own money, uh, that, that's kind of a, I mean, it's great and everything. 
but it's also a bit of a red flag because I'm thinking, well, you're not a financial professional in any way. You're going to be busy doing other things. Can you dedicate enough time? And do you have the ability to hold back your emotions when it comes to this? Uh, To your point, everybody should have doubled down when everything went down in in 2008, 2009 um, against their gut instinct. But a a lot of people pulled their money out. And if you just let it in, let it ride and then even buy more at a bargain, which is the opposite of the way that our mind works. So yeah, I'm, I'm often having to just switch people's thinking to not be uh, that of, uh, oh, everything's down. I got to, I got to withdraw and put it all in, in cash, which is not even keeping up with inflation. So it's like, we're all wired uh, in the reverse way. That's a hundred percent true. And and the idea that we're own, our own worst enemies and that these things are done emotionally is is certainly true. Um, one of the things that's that's interesting is when you rebalance a portfolio. When we suggest rebalancing a portfolio, what that means in its very nature is that the portfolio is out of balance because certain asset classes have outperformed um, their expectations and other asset classes have underperformed their expectations, at least on a relative basis, right? So in order to rebalance a portfolio to the, to, the, um, to the asset allocation you intend, you have to sell the winners and buy the losers. And that is the most counterintuitive, difficult thing to, to wrap your head around is, well, why in the world would I part ways with the, the portion of my portfolio that's making me money and, and, and add to that portion of my portfolio that maybe is struggling and the short answer is, if you don't, you are no longer aligned with your own with your own intended risk, and you run the risk that that asset class that that really did great for a period of time is the very same one that's going to sink the ship. It's it's so counterintuitive, but but it it is something we face every day as advisors, and I imagine as coaches too. Yeah, that's why you just got to stick to your risk profile, whatever that is, and sort of walk away. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk about retirement um, and, and what it means because, um, you know, the, one of the primary tenets of our show is that retirement is bad for you and you shouldn't do it. Um, and I say that tongue in cheek, not because I think uh, the, abs- the absence of needing to work is bad. I think financial independence is a fabulous goal. Um, but the absence of work may or may not be healthy for you. You know, people who go from 50 and 60 hours a week and, and um, who identify themselves with what they do as much as who they are can't just suddenly go to daytime TV and shuffleboard and thrive. So what do you, what do you see and what do you coach people who maybe are saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I may want to retire, but I don't want to be, I don't, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do? Well, I, I do reframe it to financial independence uh, a lot. Because when people think of retirement, they think 65 and they think after having worked a 40-year career somewhere, which is not really what happens anymore. And also, yeah, I I really like the concept, uh, your concept of uh, graduating to the next to the next stage, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of in a mini one of my own. I'm I'm 39. I'll be sorry, will be 39 this year, and. You know, two years ago, I decided oh, I'm going to quit my nine to five 
and you know, move to uh, the city where my wife is going to medical school. And I'm going to pursue um, these other things that I've been doing on the side, and I'm going to pursue them full-time, whether they make me uh, you know, full-time money or not right away. It was not the issue. It was about taking control of my life and you know, pursuing my creativity, which is so important to me, which I figured out by going to career counseling, um, you know, which... It, you know, it was so valuable for me. It, it made, let me figure out what my values were. And so I think, yeah, like if you have a financial independence day um, set, then you can think about what it is you actually want to do. And maybe that's what you're doing now, but or maybe it's less of that. Um, either way, uh, we shouldn't be stuck uh, doing the same thing because we feel we have to or we feel that we have to do it until 65 we need to look at our finances on a regular basis to see, hey, could I be free? And what does free mean? Free means maybe covering the basics and then I work a little bit less or I can work at something different and I won't feel so risky because you know, my, my basics are covered. I, I like that concept. So I try to get people into that camp. Well, financial independence, it means different things to different people for sure. Um, to me, it means that you won't outlive your money in any way, shape, or form, and that there are ways to strategize, and, and financial advisors spend time doing this, and, and I'm certain that some robo-platforms and some other resources likely can help as well, but um, one of our primary charges is just making sure people can't run out of money. Um, I've often said that to be young and broke is an inconvenience, and to be old and broke is a tragedy. So it's a completely mm-hmm. different uh, experience. You know, at, in your 30s or 40s or 50s even, you can go make more. You know, you, you can go find a way, whether it's two jobs or whether it's amplifying your career or whether it's making a career change or whether it's cutting expenses, there are things you can do to improve your situation. At 75 or 80, that is a very difficult thing to do and kind of scary. Um, and, yeah. and none of us, you know, you and I don't know what it feels like to be 80. You know, people 80 know what it feels like to be 40, but people 40 don't know what it feels like to be 80, which means uh, imagine what it would be like if you didn't know that you could go earn your next paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that is an emotionally difficult thing. Um, the other thing, you, you know, you talked about quitting your nine to five and, and moving to the city and so forth. You sound like a millennial trapped in a Gen X body. Um, <laughs> I'm an exennial. That's uh, born in 1980. So you're right on the you're right on the line. Right on the line. All right. Well, I, I am, am squarely you're exactly am, what you described. I, well, I am a squarely Gen X, which means among other things that politically we will never have any pull of any kind because we're just going <laughs> to do what the boomers want now and we're going to do what the millennials want later. So if I were you, I would identify as a millennial just so you can join that party. <laughs> I try. It sounds, like, it sounds like you're doing that. Us Xers, we are, we're just grumpy. You know, it's going to be very <laughs> tough for us to have no pull and to have to take care of our parents and our kids at the same time. Yeah. Tough, I mean, that's where stuff. the millennials are at now, uh, the, though. It's the nine to five is relying on one place for uh, income is no longer the norm. Well, we are nearing the end of our show. And my goodness, this went fast. I could talk to you all day and, uh, <laughs> and, and would love that. But um, we're at that point where we're going to ask you to, to give our audience an extra credit assignment. 
Um, we, we are anti-homework here. We don't do tests and quizzes. Um, but at, at this school, which we'll, we'll tongue-in-cheek call Retire U, um, at Retire U, we've got to have an extra credit assignment because I don't know anyone who doesn't like that. So if you could impart one piece of wisdom uh, for our audience um, that would be the one thing that would move them closer to this financial independence line, what, what would that be? Yeah, so, well, I mean, there's so many things I could say. Uh, I think the one thing is, um, you know, figure figure out what it is that you like you want to do what you like to do like when i did this core value assessment that was that was revolutionary for me you know i could have kept working and making throngs of money um and uh but i didn't uh, and it seems uh, dumb to say but i didn't because it wasn't adding value to my life what i did do though while i was making money was i put that money away and so like to get closer to financial independence just have you know do it when you can put money away so that you can say maybe take a little break like i did and live off of money that you basically worked harder in the past to uh, achieve and don't be afraid to 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 use some of that money to further your life like people like you said people aren't just going to sit and, and watch tv or play golf if maybe that's not their thing um but people are so afraid to use their savings to further their life, which is really what financial independence and retirement is all about. Um, so, you know, you can have that second life if you step back and try to figure out what that's going to be. And it could be just as lucrative as your current situation, but maybe you'll work less or you'll be happier and, and uh, just have a look at yourself, I think, and save some money. Yeah. Bo, that is, that is a great advice and an excellent extra credit assignment I think we could all benefit from. So uh, as we wrap up, how can folks get in touch with you? We'll, we'll, we'll obviously post your information on our show notes, but for anyone who's either looking for a coach or just wants to listen to your podcast or to get to know you a little better, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so the central hub for me is bowhumphreys.com. So, you know, just go there. Um, there's links to everything, including, you know, booking a coaching session with me. And the, the good thing about, uh, personal finance coaching is it's, it's a cross border thing. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not going to talk about, uh, 401ks and Roth IRAs with you, but we can talk about, you know, how to figure out how much you're saving and spending and, and, uh, you know, what your financial goals are. That's something that I can talk with anyone around the world about because everybody, has a, a similar personal finance situation. You make money, you spend money, and hopefully you save and invest some of it. And uh, the podcast is The Personal Finance Show, so you can just go to thepersonalfinanceshow.com, but also there's a link on, on bohumphreys.com as well. Um, if you're Canadian listening, uh, investwisely.ca is my uh, personal finance blog. Again, not all for Canadians, mostly focused on, on Canadians, but there's a lot of uh, stuff in there too for everyone. Very good. Well, I, I, you've been an amazing guest. I'm, I, I knew you would be. Uh, I thank you for being here. I trust I'll be seeing you in Washington, D.C. for FinCon? Absolutely. It's, it's in, your, uh, in your neighborhood. It's in, yeah, it's not far. I'm, I'm, I get to drive this year instead of flying. So, uh, <laughs> well, I'm so driving Bo, too, but I, I'm crazy. Right? Well, <laughs> you said it, not me, my friend. Well, I look forward <laughs> to seeing you in a few months. Um, again, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you for being here. And for all of our listeners, just remember, don't, don't retire. Graduate. 
From this day forward, let us make each decision with our best interests in mind. Let us begin visualizing our dreams and reaching our goals. It's time to take the next steps in our life journey and build our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website, don'tretiregraduate.com to download episodes and connect with us on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.